Welcome to another episode of Learn with Bestern, where we discuss the latest trends in leadership development, self-development, as well as well-being. There's so much information out there. We want to make sure we bring in the latest insights and research based on neuroscience and behavior change to give you the tools that you need to make a change in your personal and professional lives. Join us on a journey to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with others that might find it helpful. happy to have you because we are going to be discussing about a topic that many companies are wondering today regarding purpose and sustainability. And, you know, it was kind of, I was waiting for the right person to, to have to have enough knowledge to somebody who has the experience, who have gone through the process in order to understand what is the real value that it brings to corporations. Now, let me tell you something. <clears throat> today, it is something that a lot of companies are talking about it, but they don't know how to do it. First of all, what we know is that 85% of employees kind of, they don't feel that there is purpose in the, at work. So they are unsatisfied about what it, uh, where they are leading their, their lives. <clears throat> and what we know is also that the new generation, so these guys that are coming to work, that are onboarding the generation uh, Z, uh, is mainly driven by the choice of work that is outside financial. So if, if you ask a Gen Z, <clears throat> what is going to make you choose one job versus another, he, he will tell you it's about the possibility to develop myself, the possibility to do something that is meaningful, the possibility to have a work-life balance, but in, if we think about our generation, it was more about financials, right? When we were choosing a, a, a choosing a job, we were choosing because there was the best pay and maybe we have the possibility to be in a reputable company. So today, most companies have a mission, but this mission is very often related to their business ambition, saying we want to achieve this amount of money, profitability, scale, and so on. But this is not really relatable to individuals, to people, to the employees. It's not inspiring enough. So, and what a lot of companies are trying to look for is the famous why. Is I mean, Simon Sinek has popularized the famous at the understanding of the why we are doing certain things, um, and it has become really the talk of the of the day in uh, in corporations. I was thinking. Uh, before this podcast that I, I made it relatable to a sentence that was uh, said by Viktor Frankl, the, the writer of Man's Search for Meaning. So it's kind of a psychologist. And he was saying those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. So and today we have been living like a tough life, like to adapt, to be resilient, resilient because, I mean, this COVID thing has impacted the life of all of us and has given us also the opportunity to rethink about the life that we want to, uh, to, 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 lead in, to, to lead in a day to day. So I'm happy to have you because you are a special guest who has experience firsthand on bringing purpose through sustainability. You have been a senior leader in the luxury industry across the world. 
By the way, I don't know how many countries you have been in, but I'm counting still. So I had the opportunity to see first sight uh, your capacity for innovation and disruption. Our path has crossed in the, in the corporate life. Uh, and I have the feeling that you are not the type of person who can we can frame in a, in a box. I was really astonished to see, to see you become an advocate of sustainability, sustainability in corporations. Uh, I wasn't, I mean, it, I was, I wasn't astonished because I almost felt that you are like kind of a disruptor. So you, we cannot frame you in, inside of a box. Um, you have founded mobile partners back in Switzerland. And I was wondering more about these challenges that you to, to of reaching out people who are more driven by the social status in luxury, of course, uh, into a more purpose driven life. So today you are making you are making sustainable luxury become a thing. You have started in Switzerland. And as a CEO of Movo, you are helping organizations become purpose-driven, transforming cultures, mindset, and, driven, and driving this product innovation through sustainability. Seb, I'm curious, how do you transition from the luxury goods uh, you, uh, into a founder of a, of a sustainability consultancy? How do you make it? Well, here it comes. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Ivan. It's a, it's a real pleasure to uh, to have the opportunity to talk to you about this this amazing topic, and and of course uh, to to see how life evolves. It's it's also fascinating to see that uh, many years later we we meet again on 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 this occasion. Um, well, I think you know somewhat. You were mentioning that. Um, our generation was mostly driven by the job role, the position, the paycheck, and etc. Uh, but you and me, I think we're the best examples that uh, it wasn't really true after all, since we have decided to take a new direction in our careers and, and personal and professional lives, finally. Um, so I, I guess this is also what, what has happened to me at a certain point. I felt the need of uh, realigning myself with my inner values. And, and this, this feeling of alignment kind of pushed me to, to look for uh, different answers. And this is when, uh, well, I left my job as, as a vice president of, uh, of a luxury uh, Swiss watchmaker here in Switzerland. And I, I, I embarked on a journey of uh, coaching. Uh, so I've done about nine months of executive coaching to really understand what was important to me, what my values were, what, what sort of vision I had for my own future. And, and you know, when you've spent about 20 years of your life in the corporate world, it's not easy to actually point out or identify really what matters to you. So this, this, this exercise was very valuable because it helped me understand that in fact, sustainability at large uh, and corporate societal responsibility was, was a very important topic to me. I've, I've always been very close to environmental causes in my personal life and, and a, a nature lover living in Switzerland. You know, there is, there is really nature all around. So, so this was always there, but I, I didn't really know how to make a living out of it. Um, so when I find out with my coach that this was such an important 
aspect of my 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 personal uh, you know of my life um i thought i needed to look for some education i i needed to get credibility in this in this field because i was new to it and of course it's a very hot topic it's very trendy so you know i didn't want to suffer the the imposter syndrome somewhat um, so i started to look for education and this is how i ended up um, looking for different universities that were offering sustainability as you know a bachelor postgrade or even a master and and cambridge uh, occurred to be the only one that was really focusing on leadership because leadership is if i can say my expertise but uh, you know sciences is not clearly uh, so I, I wanted to embed sustainability into organizational change and and that's how i ended up following a postgraduate at, at cambridge in sustainability leadership and from a thing to the next, you know, I ended up uh, building a new network of individuals and companies in the topic. And, and I also found that sustainability was, a, were, there was a lot more solidarity in sustainability. So contacts, networking was a lot easier than in my past uh, experiences. And, and that's how I, I, I ended up getting missions and talking with companies that were in needs of, of new solutions. And I, I sort of designed new solutions to accompany the, the organizations in the luxury field, but not only that, that are willing to transform themselves. And, and that's when I founded uh, Mobile Partners, basically. So this is, this is the story. Sebastian, well, something that has struck me and it's kind of related to to what we were discussing just before this podcast. It, it is that so one in mid the, this famous midlife crisis, which is a huge opportunity, in fact, to create um, to develop our self awareness. Because when you have been and I relate to to, to your career path, you have been working all the time, twenty years plus working and then you reach leadership positions in fact there is a lot of psychological research that shows that the more we progress in a company the less self-aware we are in fact if you ask to a leader what is the real situation he will have less knowledge about himself or about others than someone who is in the front line and yeah, this midlife crisis provides the opportunity to, to ask ourselves right questions in order to find something that is meaningful that we want really to do that is beyond the scope of the survival. Because we, when we are younger, we come confused, in fact, that how much do we need in order to be fulfilled, in order to be happy? And, the, and the, there is another research, by the way, there is even a university who has calculated what is the amount of money that you need in order to be happy. And after that, Happiness is not correlated anymore to, uh, to the amount of money that you have. So uh, that is quite, uh, quite powerful. The other thing is that you have mentioned that <clears throat> maybe the context, <clears throat> Switzerland, <clears throat> a country that supports initiative of sustainability. In fact, <clears throat> when you tell people who, are not been, who have not been living in Switzerland about all the initiatives that there is, in terms of recycling, in terms of preservation of the nature, they get astonished that there is so much, so much regulation because 
they want to preserve the nature. They want to make something that is sustainable and that we are not ashamed to give back to our children, right? And, and that is, gets kind of embedded in our, uh, in our nature. And, and we don't take it as more regulations. We take it as something more natural that has also a meaning. So that's, uh, that's quite powerful. Um, the next topic that I wanted to touch, uh, Seb, is that do we really understand, um, is, is there any proof, in fact, that is the story about purpose and sustainability brings a competitive advantage uh, at work? And it's quite important, in, in fact, to, to mention that because coming back to the topic about what business leaders think about purpose, we, what we know is that 79% of business leaders believe that purpose is essential for the success of business. They believe that, but only 34% of these, the leadership decisions are guided by organizational purpose. Wow, there is almost like a contradiction. There is a gap that when there is, of course, a lot of people who are trying to support organizations in terms of the transformation, but they do it in a, such a way that is more driven towards going faster with technology. Um, maybe realignment of business unit, how to make more money. And it's all driven by, by something that is quantifiable, but, but it's not something that is relatable for human beings because we all need to, to have something like a meaning, like meaning in our life that make us want to do things because we are doing for the greater good. And very often, I mean, the profitability of, our, of the companies that we work for, we don't give a damn, right? Uh, it, it's not relatable. It's not something that touches my emotions. And it is emotions that are going to bring disability for ind individuals to want to do things for the sake of it. Like it, what we call intrinsic motivation, something that comes from within is not something that I'm paid for. I'm just doing it for the greater good for the community. So what, what is your take about what it is the competitive advantage of purpose and sustainability all right so that's that's uh yeah that's a very good question ivan it's a it's a it's a huge topic obviously it's very vast and and you'll find many different answers but i think what is really interesting is is when you're referring to this gap how is this gap created and and why are organizations failing at uh, distributing or cascading the purpose through the organization so that the employees, as you were describing, feel engaged, feel committed to a common vision. Um, so th there are many studies that will um, advocate about the advantage and the competitiveness of companies that have designed a clear and, and uh, fundamental purpose statement. Now, it's not enough, unfortunately. Uh, you know, it's not just designing a purpose and then thinking that it will stick through your organization and it will help you guiding your decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. If you look at, at famous uh, purpose-driven organizations such as Patagonia, for instance, because obviously it's, it's an example that we like to, to, uh, to discuss about, um, their purpose is, you know, to save the planet Earth. So obviously one could argue 
that to save planet Earth is business the best answer. Uh, that could make for another talk between you and me. But definitely when you read that purpose, what you understand is that is this purpose is in the middle. It's, it's the center, it's the core of their business model. It answers the questions that you were asking before about the why. This is their reason to exist. This is the reason why they are in business. And, and you know, most companies fail to understand what is their reason for being in business. Are they even asking themselves, is the world a better place with us in business or not? And, and so when, when you have this purpose that is so strongly embedded in the core of your business model, what it provides to the organization is a North Star. It provides guidance. It provides a sense of direction. And, and often these discussions are happening at the very top, you know, the, the, the boardroom designs a very beautiful purpose together with a consulting firm or, or whatever. Uh, but they kind of fail of engaging the whole backbone of the organization. After all, any organization is the sum of their people, right? And, and, and if that beautiful purpose sticks at the very top, but is not felt uh, in the rest of the organization, more importantly, at the mid-management level, it will fail because people will not understand why the CEO and his team has design this purpose, you know? So it, it has to be really something that, that provides this guidance and it must be real. It, it can't be just a, a sentence somewhere, you know? Um, so th this is probably one of the most, um, yeah, overseen gap that there is between uh, or, or within an organization. So what you're saying, in fact, that the, the the root cause of this gap is mainly because of the of the lack of a system in order to to convey the message to the full organization and you were mentioning something that is quite critically it, it is the fact that mid-management act like enhancers of the communication because they are the one transforming the the vision into something that is more operational and that is then more relatable for individuals. So how can I contribute if I am in a finance department to, to a vision like, and or if I'm in purchasing the, uh, the department. But do you have the feeling that at least a, a good proportion of companies have this purpose-driven mission? I don't think it's a majority today, you know. Um, I, I think most corporates are still in what we can say uh, an approach of business as usual. Mm. Um, because again, when, when you have your business as usual and then you start hearing about the importance of purpose or sustainability as a matter of fact, you think like, oh, okay, I need to incorporate this into the recipe of my business. Yeah. But unfortunately, if you don't really take the, the time or the right amount of thinking behind, you know, your behavior or, or what you would like to change or the vision that you would like to create for your organization in the future, you will, you will miss important steps that are to, to you know, uh, establish a clear set of values that then uh, illustrates a purpose that then uh, makes a vision for the whole organization. And, and you can see in, in, in some studies, 
it's very clearly mentioned that the boardroom again would feel very engaged with the purpose uh, genuinely you know because mm -hmm. that's that's something they really would like to do but then the percentage of commitment the lower you get into the organization the the lower the lower it becomes you know so th there is something that doesn't stick there so what is it it's it's this again this this feeling of of belonging the the, the feeling of of you know employees organization needs more than just words they need action they need public declarations they need to see that um uh, being symbolized by commercial decisions they you, you know these are the things that will then make feel like okay now we are really committed to something bigger than us and mm. and the, the the greater good right mm. it's quite powerful what you say because so what you're saying is what i understood is in fact that it's not enough to just to have it to to have a statement of commitment towards sustainability but it, it is about repetition because in everything you do in every communication there should be reinforcement of the message because if you don't hear it enough but people are going to be uh, dis uh, disengaged and it's almost like it makes an organization be stand behind a common enemy or a common goal and that makes when you feel that you are working together with an organization that is your family because it becomes a family when in fact you have a purpose that it goes beyond just financials right then you feel like we have a connection it's a little bit like the connection that you and me we have because we are thinking about the stuff that are, are common to us how do we make great cultures at, uh, at work how do we make people enjoy go to work and enjoy what they do and that's something that connects that makes a tribe and i, I love what you uh, what you say what you say so this is the moment that maybe we can huh, before we we move on i i just wanted to clarify because sometimes the definition of sustainability it's not clear all over so you ask one guy he will tell you as an example recycling batteries uh you ask another one say counting the number of printing uh, papers that that we have in the, in the organization uh, for me it looks like tactics it doesn't look like uh, we are covering what the, the full scope of sustainability what do you embed inside of sustainability as uh, seven yeah, that's a good question. Um, and that's true that you, you find many definitions out there about what sustainability should mean. But uh, to me, and, and this is only my, my opinion, but to me, there is one definition that really resonates. And in fact, I find it pretty striking because it was defined already back in 1987 when a certain Mr. Bruntlands um, was, was uh, publishing a report for the United Nations. He was the former Norwegian prime minister, and he had um, a, a role as a chair of the World Commission on, on Environment and, and Development. So as I said, this was already back in 1987, and this is what he said. I'm quoting. He said, development which meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Hmm. So, you know, when, when you read this, you understand that sustainability is 
almost a moral must, you know, it's, it's like when, when this definition already provides some sort of a sort of guidance, right? It's, it's, it's already a North star in, in such, if, if you, if you were imagining yourself as the CEO of a large corporate and you have a decision to make, what if you were asking that question to yourself before making that decision? You know, most of the time you will know the answer. Deep inside, you would know the answer. Hmm. What am I doing here? Is it having, is it going to have an impact, a negative impact on the future of society, on the future of humanity? So when, when, when you have this sort of, uh, you know, decision to make, if you understand sustainability this way, I think it makes it very clear for you to take a decision. So, yeah, for me, this is what it means. It means that uh, whatever we do today should not have a negative impact on tomorrow, rather a positive one, in fact, or, or at least neutral if we can't have a positive impact yet, but certainly not a negative impact. It is almost like a guiding principle from where you can derive all of the actions and operational strategies that you can Absolutely. do in your organization. Uh, you, you're right. Why do we have to limit it to what we know today? Because we can face a situation that it can be as simple as, uh, okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit in my financials or, or I'm going to, um, to don't care about the, the representation of certain genders, certain religions, certain type of, 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 of minorities, or sometimes it's majorities. Uh, so the good representation, the good equity uh, of, of the voice of people in an organization could be considered as a sustainable step. So you don't need to have like a full, like a, I don't know, like the constitution with all of the laws, you need to just have one single guiding principle that will make the, uh, make the trick. And if you relate it to yourself, then you have the answer to all, right? Lovely. <laughs> you do, you do, yeah. you do, because most of the time you know deep inside if if something is right or not, right? I mean, human being is 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 you know psychologically there are also studies that showing that human being is just good in nature. What what the 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 sort of uh, yeah, the sort of perversion comes later when you start making wrong choices or, or bad trade-offs, you know, and, and when you start compromising, basically, um, when you look again at a company like Patagonia, they don't, they don't compromise if, if, if a certain material or a certain strategy does not fit that purpose, they would, they would not go for it. Hmm. They would choose not. There is something that is quite powerful in, in terms of making cultures that working cultures that are that are thriving, thriving in the sense that people are happy to be going to work and they are not just nagging uh, on a Monday morning uh, about oh I have to go there again to do something that I hate. Um, so and there are three things that are are, are quite important. The one that the the possibility to decide how to do your job, not somebody who's telling you with ten millions different rules uh, or, yeah, or different papers, what you are allowed or not is just having the principles like the guiding star and then you decide how to, how to make it uh, happen. That works amazingly good in 
I was reading the the case of of Netflix. In fact, they these guys they have removed all papers with regulations, even for travel expenses, like saying principles like make what makes sense for the company instead of telling you you are allowed to spend ma maximum one hundred dollars per uh, per person every single day. So you are thinking you're putting the responsibility for uh, on people, and then they feel more engaged in the organization. So being knowing how to how to do how to do things by myself that's something that is quite important mastering that means having a, a job that is slightly challenging every time that i'm not repeating the stuff all all the time mastering your job a little bit like a um, a sushi master who will do every time something the same but slightly better every uh, every time and the third point is about the, the sense of purpose that you are really doing things not for the benefits of shareholders only, but for the greater good of community. But for that, you need to have a big statement that says that I understand that it's relatable, right? Uh, of course. And, and you need the support from your leadership as well. You know, when you're talking about shareholders, they must be engaged behind that purpose as well. If, if each time it's, it's an argument whether this should happen or not, you know what? You're referring to empowerment, which is obviously very important. Uh, but to to feel empowered, you must you must feel supported as well. So mm -hmm. if 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 the organization is fully aligned on 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 one strategy, then then you stick to it, you know, and and then you feel more at ease to take these sort of decisions on a daily daily basis, um, on a more maybe uh, autonomous way as well. Uh, you, you were taking the example of Netflix. Uh, I think it's it is a, a good example, obviously. And and um, yeah, for for employees to feel like they're doing the right thing again, they must see, they, they must be leaded by example, you know, and, mm. and it must be real. So if they see that on their day to day job, then they'll feel extra motivated about it, and yeah. they become your first ambassadors for sure. Exactly, I love that. Hey, but. Of course, I mean you. You mentioned that the, the that sustainability and help us to go to drive our moral compass. <laughs> but I think that is not only that. I, I think that many organizations have understood that beyond the moral compass, there is one uh, financial benefits. There is improvements that uh, that makes that can be spread across the organization productivity there is many other benefits so because i mean at the end in your case or even in our case i don't believe that companies takes take only decision because of the morality or the ethicality of of what they do they take it also because then it needs to be a financial reward if you move your strategy towards sustainability there needs to be something that is appealing also for these shareholders who want value. So sure. what is your perspective on that? What can we expect as benefits for employees, customers, and in terms of the real thing, money? Sure, sure. Well, see, I mean, <clears throat> sustainability doesn't mean no profit. Uh, th this is something sometimes uh, people think that, okay, we must be sustainable, so we stop profit and et cetera. This is not how it works. Under under sustainability, under the umbrella of sustainability, you you have 
three main uh, pillars, which are, you know, people, planet and profit. Um, mm. Now it's, it's a way of doing business differently. And, and believe me, I mean, again, if you look at organizations that are doing the right thing, or, or at least seem to be doing the right thing, they seem to be very successful, isn't it? If you look at Unilever, again, a, a sustainable champion, if you look at Patagonia, we named it before, and, and other examples, um, they, they, they are profitable organizations. It's just that they do things differently. And, and when, when you look at that, the values that, you know, I love to say that from values, you create value. So when, when profit is not the only thing that you keep in mind, success will happen naturally, a lot more naturally, because you start doing the right thing. And again, if it's genuine, you were mentioning that maybe they're not fully guided by morality or ethics or, you know, whatever. If they're not, it won't work as well as if they were, you know, because today with the scrutiny there is about corporate, they are increasingly under the spotlight. You can't do business like you used to do, right? I mean, business today has to be transparent. Consumers are asking for this transparency. Shareholders are asking for this transparency. Uh, investors as well are investing more and more into business that are um, labeled sustainable, you know? Uh, so th this, this whole community is growing. So the question is, is, is now whether you want to be part of this, this community and grow this, this greater good for all, or if you would rather still think, or is it going to be profitable for me? The question is rather, what if the statu quo or not moving would be far riskier and a lot more costly for your organization? Because one could argue that if you were not to transform now, it might be too late later. We obviously have in, in, in the, you know, history of corporate examples of companies that have suddenly disappeared on very suddenly in fact uh, because simply the the customer mass to which they were talking uh, moved on and and they found themselves without customers to serve anymore uh, kodak is a good example nokia is another one um, so again you know the 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 question you must ask yourself is not necessarily or is it going, is my return on investment going to be satisfying? If, if I do the right thing, it will be for sure. That would be more my approach. You know, it's, it's, it's to say, listen, yes, profit will be there, but we will make things different. And we will communicate different to the different stakeholders. I love the message. In fact, what, you're, what I translate in my head is more about that. If you have an awesome product, this product will become nothing because it can be easily copyable because startups are coming, can replace it. The needs of consumers are, are changing. What you cannot replace is the intangibles that you add to your product on the way how you deliver it to, to people because that's what creates in, in uh, consumers loyalty because they say, oh, they were the first ones to do this type of, of activation. Or even employees because you you really unleash the passion of, uh, of employees when they are doing something that, hey, we are doing it because of this good reason. Absolutely. And, yeah. 
That's Good. also how you you build your the desirability about your service or your product, right? Mm. Uh, this is how you make it different as well. This is how you stand for something bigger than just the product you try to sell. Um, and and yeah, it's it's fascinating. <laughs> Indeed. So what from my side, what I observation working with a couple of corporations. So when you have a company that has this uh, meaning embedded in uh, in the in their mission, uh, you have people, and there has been some research on that, uh, where employees are increasing their level of engagement. So we see, uh, for instance, in one research from CIO magazine, we see that in an increase of motiva motivation by 55%, uh, loyalty uh, by 42%, pride that you really want to talk about your company so you create ambassadors who are so free publicity when you're proud of what you do you talk about it with your friends and you create this early adopter snowball so that you really talk about it then you have an increase in terms of employee retention people are not leaving and especially now that we have this um <laughs> how can i call it like the paradigm of, of having people live in their work for finding something better in terms of meaning, not is better in terms of money, like working remotely, like working in something that they love, that they enjoy. But that is quite useful. And it, it becomes even more, um, more important because companies are having problems to attract this Gen Z who is coming to on board to, uh, to companies. And they haven't found that the right way to communicate to them is not anymore about uh, money or giving them some TikToks with saying, hey, come, uh, come work for us. Uh, they need to understand to have the proof because these Gen Z's are terrible because they go and, <clears throat> and dig to find out if what they say, a company says is true or not. So employee uh, retention and employee attraction is something that is important. And then you have this, um, this thing that happens is that <clears throat> there has been an increase of absenteeism, which means, in fact, the capacity of people to be productive at work. So when you come to work and you are doing something like that you used to do very quickly a couple of months ago and suddenly because of your mental capacity uh, clashing, you are in front of a computer and basically you are not you are taking more time than before or you are just being present without being productive so and that has a name in psychology which is cognitive dissonance when your values are not the same values of the company and you feel bad about it it's like hanging out with somebody who is dangerous for you that doesn't have the same values like for me, it would be, uh, hey, I'm hanging out with a neo-Nazi. Of course, I'm not going to be super uh, super engaged to, to have a conversation with, uh, with him, or, or I, I'm not going to want to share any, any private things with, uh, with him. Same, it happens in organizations. So individual, the individual values, the detachment completely with, uh, from, the, from the organizational uh, values. Um, we also have improvements of performance in average of 22 percent more performance and and i'm going to do the trick that you did just before that what if we don't do it is that we have we have a, a higher number of people who are burning out so the the belief is that 
you get burnout because you work a lot. No ways. Uh, when you are doing something that passionates you, you get into the state of flow. You, you get like a kid who is playing for hours in, and inventing words with their the toys um, for hours without uh, uh, taking care of the time. So when you're doing something that you love, you don't care about the time. At the end, work-life balance is what you feel provides you the more fulfillment. So people get burned out because of this misalignment, this cognitive uh, dissonance between the purpose of the company and the individual. And finally, of course, not only the cost of presenteeism, so because you are paying for someone to be productive and he's not, then there is the, the cost, the medical cost that because somebody lives because of a burnout, and then you lose people naturally because they don't feel attracted to you. It's a little bit of seduction that is kind of that should happen in a, in, in a company. It's like you see someone that you really like, but this someone is an organization and you do it in an irrational way because you are throwing out your emotion to someone who has compatibility with who you are. And that's, that's a cost. So we have many opportunities. The cost of opportunity is <clears throat> quite high if we don't move into a purpose-driven uh, or, or, um, setup. Um, yeah. Seb, um, we both grew up in Switzerland, so we know about how important it is, the sustainability, uh, because the government is promoting it like in a regular basis. But the question is, so can we say that sustainability is the thing for developed countries? people who have the money, or can it be something implementable uh, in any other country? I mean, I'm not even talking about countries or type of organization. Are they some type of organization that, uh, that are more ready to, uh, to move into sustainability than others? Can you, if you are oil or if you are construction or, or if you are in FMCG, is there any difference? <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a very good question, Ivan. Um, the, the readiness, of course, might vary geographically. It might vary uh, generationally as well. Um, you know, eventually it, it comes down to education. Education plays a very big role in, in understanding why sustainability is an important topic today. Um, but, you know, when, when it's... Um, I mean, to, to, to implement a purpose-driven uh, organization doesn't need much. You can do that at many different levels. And, and you can do this. It's, it's applicable to almost any sort of business or organization in the world. Uh, wherever you are based or located doesn't really make a difference. What would make a difference is, of course, the resources that you have at your disposal to make the change. And, mm. and today we're living in a very connected world. So we, we should stop thinking that, you know, what we do in Switzerland actually is good enough for the global world in which we live, because it's, it's, it's unfortunately not true because our impact goes way beyond our borders. Because yeah. yes, we might be doing some great recycling in Switzerland, we might be uh, using less coal for heating our houses and etc. But the production of what we consume here is still made in countries where 
these sorts of um, you know standards are not applied and and this is where we have a role to play we should say stop to that and we should we should consume in a different way or at least we should ask more questions about how certain things have been made and and where they come from and 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 etc because the issue we're facing today is not a local issue it's a global issue so whatever we do anywhere we do it has an impact potentially a positive impact on on the outcome um, so i think us living in in maybe more developed countries must uh, you know sort of ask ourselves how can we help other countries to 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 come join us into this um, into this um, yeah efforts hmm. um Sorry, the, the, the question came to my mind just now about is there organizations that can really prove like a company that is based in Europe is doing things in a sustainable way beyond the borders of the company? Like it means if, if I'm bringing clothing from Bangladesh, from Turkey and whatsoever, is there a way to say, hey, I'm sustainable? Well, you know, again, I mean, it depends how you communicate about it, right? Um, if you don't say anything and you try to pretend that your clothes are made somewhere else, that doesn't work. Um, if now you are fully transparent about where you do things and why you do things, um, I think it's your first step towards sustainability because by transparency, then you are forced to do the right thing as well. There might be uh, strategical decisions or, or even lack of, of resources that force you to work outside of your borders. And, and that's all right. As mm -hmm. long as you don't take benefit of, of this in, in, a, in a, you know, social or environmental aspect, because doing business in a certain countries might, might mean also less regulations. But mm -hmm. if, if you're, headquarter is in Switzerland, you should apply the same rules to the business you conduct elsewhere, you know, and, and socially, what is your impact in the community? Where, where you're doing things, where you're sourcing maybe some raw materials. Um, so I think the, the, the first step is to be transparent about it. Once you are transparent about it, you are committed to, you know, try to do your best and 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 not have some misconducts that are related to human rights or, 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 or environmental degradations yeah so uh, for me it's almost like if there is something common about across humanity is that we all want to survive and because it's, it's the, the most basic need that we that we have we have that's why we stress when there is a sign that is something different going on in our surroundings we we have we become a little bit uh, um, uh, we develop these signals for for fear and that is common across any culture in fact so if we if we engage and you say that quite well into educating people into creating awareness about the uh the dangers for as an individual and for humanity i think it is possible across any country to develop this sense of sustainability at different scales and at different maybe um how do you call it 
investments. So you because in order to create a mindset for sustainability, you have we have it already biologically inside of us. It's just about creating this awareness. What is danger for us and for our uh, and for for the future? That's something that we we need to consider. The second thing is that for these cross generational stories is that we have something in in our brain that is called neuroplasticity that means that at any age we are capable of embedding new knowledge new understandings of, of, of things and that's why we change like yes we were maybe 20 years ago working for the same company back then but today we have completely different path and we have changed it because we have this ab ability to learn understand better what what we are in change and everybody as long as you are not treating someone like, hey, you cannot learn, we always think that we can do the best we can in within our capacity and we can learn in, increase our capacity little by little by little. So this neuroplasticity is quite powerful to say even, I mean, at any age, you can change and you can learn new things. And one of the good things is that you can learn to know yourself and then have a sustainable way of uh, of living because it's not a class I, I i don't believe that companies should bring a trainer to train sustainable uh, to to explain sustainability it's just a mindset a way of living no, nothing uh, nothing else yeah no sure uh, the, the, the training is still important you know um you, you 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 need to train people around the, the goal you would like to achieve, right? You, you were saying before that repetition is very important. For a change to stick, it must be repeated and, and understood. So, so clearly training sustainable angels within an organization, all that contributes to make that change sticking for the longer term. Hmm. These sustainable angels, do you feel like in an organization, do you need to have these new roles that are popping up, like a chief purpose officer, a chief sustainability officer? Do you need that? And 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 then what's really the role of human resources in, in today's world? Do you need to have these big roles in the organization to in order to start? I I, I think you do. Yes. Um, first, because you know you heard of purpose washing, you heard of greenwashing, you heard of all these these negative terms. Um, you, you need someone that has um, the interest of the purpose or uh, of the sustainability within an organization. You know, you need someone that looks after this interest. And, and today, uh, sustainability becomes very transversal. It's not only about marketing in certain organization or about finance in others. It's, it's really, you know, across the whole organization. In fact, uh, when you discuss, uh, you know, topics like diversity and inclusion, for instance, uh, today they would fall under the chief sustainability officer, in my opinion, because they take part of that social aspect that the company is trying to put in place. Uh, so that chief sustainability officer in the future might even become somewhat the CEO of an organization, because if you put the why in the center of your actions again, and at the core of your business model, then, then you are the, the, the guardian of, of this uh, purpose, right? Uh, 
Um, and, and again, we discussed earlier that uh, sustainability and purpose is a matter that is often discussed at the top level of an organization because the change we're looking for is a change of leadership. And, and for that change of leadership to happen, it has to start from the top. This time, it's not a bottom to top, it's, it's a top bottom sort of things. Um, and, and to engage your whole organization behind that purpose that an organization has designed, you need someone who leads this, this, uh, this behaviors. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm thinking about that in many of transformations that companies have embarked on, uh, one of the reasons for failure is the fact that the role modeling, this top bottom top to bottom approach is not working that means that the behaviors displayed by leadership team are not the ones that we want to mind and we have something that is quite natural in human beings that it is like using our mirror neurons so to mind to to, to reflect on if somebody is doing this i will be doing that but if i don't yes. if i see that he's saying something else then this is where I, I don't feel correct. And then I'm going to be completely dis, disengaged. So the role of seniority to, to mind these good behaviors, it, it is key. So Seb, I have to tell you, I wasn't a good believer of, of the story of having a, a specific role, but now the way you explain it and, and the reason why, because of the role modeling in seniority, it is important to have a role, whatever it is, maybe it's a role, as you said, something that goes into evolution. It, it can start with somebody accountable in human resources that then it, it, it evolves in DNI, uh, DNI and then it evolves into sustainability. It can be something where the more you are progressing with actions, it can be a role that in, within, in two years is called just human resources with purpose and then it becomes something else. And the more scope you get until it becomes part of the guy who is whispering the good things to to uh, to be implemented to the CEO, right? Yes. See, uh, you've heard of ESG, right? Which is a term very often uh, used in, in sustainability, which stands for environmental, social, and governance. Yeah. Governance plays a very important role in this change, in this transformation we're trying to achieve here. And, and without the leaders we deserve for this change, you know, it's very unlikely that we will manage this change. So you need a very inspirational role and leaders in these positions to lead these changes and mm -hmm. to lead this organization to achieve it. Exactly. So this position, whatever it is called, needs to have not only the actions that needs to be uh, done, but also like identifying the financial returns of, 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 the, of these, uh, these actions, right? It is not about just having someone to create beautiful PowerPoints that are distributed across the organization. It needs to have the power also to um, convince general managers, business unit managers into taking the yes. action and making them contribute, co-create this roadmap of actions that are going to change the organization. Sure. Mm. See, I, I'll give you an example. Um, Chanel, the, the luxury brand, as as the, the in interestingly enough, their change as uh, was born within the financial department. 
the CFO has led the change. Mm. How did he do it? Two years ago, Chanel, for the first time in the history, has released bonds that were linked to their sustainability targets. So the way it works is that they issued the bonds to raise capitals that might be used for you know, sustainability efforts. And they've, they've, they've linked a set of targets related to the reduction of their guy emissions or different targets related to sustainability. If Chanel was to fail to deliver on the targets they have set by the time the bonds will expire, which is, I believe, 2029 or 2030, they'll have to pay a premium to the bond owners. So, you know, I, I find this so inspirational because what better commitment an organization can make but to, to link their sustainability targets to finance, you know? Mm. Because if they were to fail, it will hurt them financially. And, and you know, this is, this is, for me, a really big commitment. So it's, it's very interesting to see that sometimes sustainability might come from the marketing department, but some other times it might come from the finance department as well, or maybe from the HR department or from the CEO himself. But nonetheless, when you have this sort of commitment, you can never go back, you know? You, you are committed to the change. <laughs> it's quite inspirational, the story about Chanel, really. I, I, I love it. Hey, I, I just wanted to, 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 to close the loop about if anyone may have the impression that doing the change to become sustainable, purpose-driven organization, it means that is going to cost me an arm and a leg because uh, we need to hire some McKinsey consultants, some Boston consulting guys, and uh, you have 20 of them and each of them is costing you a bomb and so on. Can we really do something uh, in a, doing the right thing, starting at least, and doing it in an inexpensive way in, in an organization? Can we? I think you can, yes. Um, most of, most, I mean, I don't know if it's most, but I believe it's a majority still of organizations that believe that the change must come from their products or their services. So they put their efforts in, you know, releasing a new line of whatever it is, a new line of products that is more sustainable than what they do so far. So it can be recycled, it can be uh, related to uh, conservation somewhere or, you know, uh, I don't think this is the right approach because, of course, when you do this, then you don't see the return on your investment immediately because you, you, you're just testing the water. For me, the inexpensive way starts, again, by gathering your organization in a room and just spend some time on reflecting why this company has been in business to begin for. You know, it's, it's, it's really the start of, of everything. And this is what some organizations are missing in the process. They will first think, oh, okay, we need to release this, this T-shirt made out of sustainable cotton and et cetera. Yes, that's all great. But if the why is not, if, if the why is not explained or if the why is not clear, then you, you, you cannot have uh, this will cost you a lot, yes, because you might even fail. You might be accused of greenwashing. You might be, you know. So my, my, uh, my uh, advice is really to start 
by simply gathering your leader team, your executive committee, whoever is really part of the decision making and spend, you know, a workshop of one or two days and just talk about why is this company in business? Look at your heritage, because very often in your heritage or in the story of the company, you'll find out that in fact, there was a purpose at the very beginning or the founders might have had a very clear purpose that somewhat you have forgotten along the years or you've diverted from. So try to connect back with this heritage and history. Once you have answered these questions of why you are in business, then start moving to create that vision for your organization. And this does not need to happen tomorrow. Though we are in, in, a, in an urgent state of changing things, you can, you can commit your organization for the five, six, seven years and start making progress towards that impactful future or positive future that you have designed with your team. Uh, this doesn't cost you anything. Then, of course, where the, the, the investment will start to be needed is when you, you will have to communicate it on the outside and within your organization. But again, this is, this is just you know, business as usual uh, for, for any organization. So um, it's, it's not necessarily an expensive effort or exercise to make a change. I, I, I see totally. So the, it, it is not because if you, and you're right that people are thinking more about how to, to change the, the products, but first is the mindset of the organization, having the clarity about the, the, the famous why, having the possibility to communicate with passion, because you need that to have this set of principles. It's not rules, it's not like senior management is going to invent like 20 things that people must do, it's principles that then every individual need to embrace deciding how to implement it. And then the, there is the aspect of also of the perspective that needs to be uh, worked on in the, in, the, in the organization so that people are feeling connected to something bigger than themselves, uh, no, understanding why implementing that in your work matters today, uh, and understanding also what is the effect of what you do in other other people's life so and that is not a cost it is it is principles and it, it, people has to embrace it and even it doesn't have to cost quite a lot because you said it so it needs to be communicated inside of an organization you don't need a movie uh, done by an agency that is going to cost you thirty thousand dollars you need to talk to them you need to empower your second layer of, of, of managers to, to communicate it in a recurrent basis, to, to talk about, to have these discussions. And as it is not a business, uh, not a business bottom line discussion, it's going to make people naturally to, 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 ref, to show a little bit of their humanity and share also their perspective on what actions should be, uh, should be done. It, it is, Quite powerful, and it is not about uh, about money. Totally, no, absolutely. You, you know, in my work, I, I support organizations in 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 making that transition, and and often the 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 executive committee is quite astonished by um, by by 
I wouldn't say how simple, but how, how uh, evident or how obvious things are for them. They, you know, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Uh, it, it's just th there is a methodology that you need to apply. And then if you follow these steps, things will unfold pretty naturally. Hmm. And Seb, so that drives me a little bit towards the end of, uh, of uh, our discussion, because it's close to one hour that we have been discussing. Um, <laughs> So I, <clears throat> a lot of people are going to be asking themselves, so how can I start? How can I, uh, how can I do it? How can I have just a chit chat about, is it worthwhile to do it now, now, or in three months or in six months? And I guess the best, the best for anyone listening is to reach you out directly. You are in LinkedIn, Sebastian Cretigny. Cretigny is C-R-E-T-E-G-N-Y. It's a little bit of complicated French, so that's why uh, I have to say it. Uh, okay. And then your email, of course, Seb, S-E-B at mobilepartners.ch. Is that the correct way to, to reach you out, Seb? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would, I would be very happy to answer any questions or, or see opportunities for, you know, accompanying more organizations. That's, that's my new passion, and this is what I love doing. So... So I would be really happy to, yeah, to answer any needs. Lovely. Thank you, Sebastian, for your time. Enjoy Switzerland. Enjoy the beautiful weather and nature. Today is a, is a, good, uh, a good weather. I, I checked. Thank you, Sebastian. <laughs> Thanks, Ivan. Thank you. See you soon. Ciao.